Well, it's really a pleasure to be back. It's funny how all the things that you remember incorrectly. For example, in my mind, this was sort of Quaker meeting house, dark gray, slightly dour, a little bit with a whiff of old New England evangelical fervor. And, uh, and as a result, I made a, a themed reading for, for that space, which is now the wrong reading. But I'm just going to forge ahead. Um, yeah, that's it. Is there one down the block? <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm going to read some new stuff. It's, th these are three pretty short pieces. Uh, and the first piece, um, unaccountably, is a mass. I was asked to write lyrics for a new mass, a libretto, um, that's going to be part of an exploration of the mass form at Trinity Church on Wall Street in downtown New York. So it's eventually going to be composed. It's going to have music that I'm not making. Somebody really great is going to do the music. Um, but so I was asked to write a libretto, and this is the, libre li the libretto. And I will tell you that um, my idea for the mass uh, was sort of what they call a secular mass in that it's conjoining spiritual issues with astrophysics. Um, two unlikely constituencies married together. And the order is also important um, in the Anglican tradition, which is what Trinity Church is, an Episcopalian church. They used to put the Gloria at the end because it was more triumphant. So I have the Gloria near the end and then a little section from the Lutheran Mass at the very end. And there's a tiny bit of Latin here. I can't read Latin, so I'm cutting most of that um, and leaving you with the English parts. So here it is. It's called Astrophysical Mass. Kyrie. Mercy upon geometers. Mercy upon herdsmen. Mercy upon algebrists. Mercy upon emigrants, mercy upon tacticians, mercy upon husbanders, mercy upon itinerants, mercy upon nomads, mercy upon advocates, mercy upon the dispossessed, mercy upon the laborers, mercy upon the hostages, mercy upon stargazers, mercy upon shepherds of the field, mercy upon all those beneath the night sky. Credo. We believe in all that's self-evident. We believe in the xenon gas trapped in quartz in South Africa. We believe in the collision between the earth and a planet-sized object. We believe in the crowding in the outer solar system. 
We believe in ordinary red supergiants. We believe in quantum fluctuations and the density of matter after the Big Bang. We believe in X-class solar flares. We believe in the vibrating of strings. We believe in a lower dimensional universe. We believe in all things seen and unseen. We believe in the gravitational ripples. We believe in quark gluon plasma and that all things are made therefrom. We believe in the generation of protons and neutrons. We believe that light can be stopped completely. We believe in spooky action at a distance. We believe in ribbons of nanoparticles. We believe in the bending of electromagnetic waves. We believe in a background field that pervades all that is. We believe that this field is strongly indicated. We believe in the transitional stages. We believe in the very slow teleportation of memories. We believe in all things eternal and all things made. We believe in the heavens and in the earth. We believe in the formless void. We believe in the broad face of the deep. We believe in the gales sweeping over the waters. We believe in the separation of light and darkness. We believe in the evening and in the morning of the first day. We believe in the night and in the greater and lesser lights. We believe in the generations of heaven and earth in the creation. We believe in the counsel and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being we believe the four fundamental forces are one. We believe the architect did wisely to conceal. We believe in the symmetries and in the language with which to describe it and the mathematics with which to describe it and the dialects with which to speak of it and the idiolects and the ideograms, and the hieroglyphs, and petroglyphs with which to describe it, and in the family of languages with which to describe it, the Proto-Indo-European with which to describe it, of the Father and the Son, and the words with which they set all things in motion, and in the life everlasting. Amen. Sanctus. Holy, holy, holy. Sanctus, sanctus, sanctus. Holy, holy, holy. God of the night sky, in the repose of constellations, with your holy book of physical laws, with your foundation of physical laws, holy gravitational constant, holy Planck's constant, holy elementary charge, holy fine structure constant, holy continuity equation, holy rigid body dynamics, holy general relativity, holy quantum dynamics, holy second law of thermodynamics, holy neutrino, holy Higgs boson,
holy dark matter, holy dark energy, holy foundation of all things, heaven and earth, full of your glory, Hosanna in the highest. Benedictus. Blessed are those who come in the name of the Lord, unknowing. Blessed is the cloud of unknowing. Blessed are the beasts of field beneath a starry night. Blessed are the clear nights of the Arctic and the Aurorae. Blessed is the new moon that makes the Milky Way still brighter. Blessed are the lesser spheres. Blessed are all things invisible and insignificant. Blessed are the rings of Saturn, the annular disk. Blessed are border crossers under cover of night. Blessed is the great storm of the gas giant, the anticyclonic circulation system. Blessed are those encamped in tents without fixed address. Blessed are the makers of all new constellations otherwise alone. Blessed are the radio technicians gathering up the data of the very large array. Blessed is the icy blue planet tipped on its axis, the ice giant. Blessed are the counters on the abacus. Blessed are the lamentations of all bereft tonight. Blessed are the persecuted and all those reviled. Blessed are the inheritors of the night. Blessed are those who hunger for righteousness. Blessed are the seekers into science and into the limitations of science. Hosanna in the highest. Agnes Day. Here are the gentle sheep of the field after which you are so named. Here are the gentle sheep of the field. Here are the gentle sheep of the field in whom innocence is made plain. Here are the gentle sheep of the field. Here are the constellations of the night sky above the sheep of the field in the company of her shepherd. The lamb gently sleeps. Grant us this peace. Gloria. And now the glory of all this in heaven and earth. We praise you, we bless you, we glorify you. We praise you, we bless you, we glorify you. We praise all that is. We glorify all that is. We describe an infinitely dense point of origin. We describe a grand unification epoch. And the phase transitions in an electro-weak epoch and an inflationary epoch and a quark epoch and a lepton epoch and an epoch of recombination. We catalog the distances of unimaginable scale, some unobservable, hurtling away. We describe the dark ages of what is and an opaque age, a foggy past. The first structures to form are quasars. The quasars form the plasma 
and gravitational collapse. The stars form galaxies and superclusters and supermassive black holes. And among these phenomena is the solar system, which harbors all who sing this song. We describe the fate of the universe. We describe the end of all origins and the origins of all ends, whether by heat death or big crunch or big rip or vacuum metastability event. For this litany of facts and theories, we give thanks. For this universe, we give thanks. All things in this universe in the expectation of love. All asteroids of ice and fire in the expectation. All explosions of supernovae in the expectation. All gas giants self-generating in the expectation. Supermassive black holes in the expectation. Antimatter and matter collisions in the expectation of love. The improbable expanses of absence of dark energy entropy, all in the expectation of love. All language of the astrophysical observable universe in the expectation for you who made the heavens and strung the lights. We praise you, we bless you, we glorify you. We praise you, we bless you, we glorify you. We praise all that is, we glorify all that is. We give thanks. Nunc Dimittis. And now, Master, dismiss your servants, your word having been fulfilled, for our eyes have seen your vision the light of revelation for all peoples. All right, I'm done with the churchy part. So, um, this last novel of mine called The Four Fingers of Death was written about the desert, Tucson in particular, and uh, what I found about Tucson when I was writing the book uh, was that it had, among its many differences uh, from the Northeast where I grew up, it had one rather spectacular difference, and that was the night sky. So um, when I was writing there, I often would uh, take time out at night to just sort of go out into the desert and look up so this is a little passage about that, uh, which is a sort of transitional attempt to connect some fiction to what you just heard. Night fell over the desert and Monaco 37 streaked past again and the stars were like the future perfect 
of an uncommon verb. Or the stars were the filaments of discarded human aspiration, or the stars in the night sky were the innumerable preschoolers of September, afraid to climb onto the bus in order to have their liberty abridged. Or the stars in the night sky were like so many holes into which our heads were to be stuck. Or the stars in the night sky were the innumerable computations of some frail and overburdened supercomputer come to its logical end. Or the stars in the night sky were the total sum of responsibilities, grievances, loves of a certain nation listing to the end of empire. Or the stars in the night sky were an example of every possible color in the spectrum of all colors, but the beauty of the spectrum was so overwhelming that an unaided eye could no longer discern it. Or the stars in the night sky were the number of words required to correctly describe the stars as a whole. Or the stars in the night sky represented the number of times that a certain recalcitrant boy was reminded to observe the natural world. Or the stars in the night sky were ghosts of all the dead, known and unknown to this boy and others. Or the stars in the night sky were pocket lighters flicked on during the encore of the stadium rock show back when there were still pocket lighters and rock shows. Or the stars in the night sky were a painterly representation of the idea of insignificance. Or the stars in the night sky were the manifest eruption of something from nothing. Or the stars hinted at a conflagration happening on the other side of a wall of dark substances through which these tiny holes had been poked. Or the stars in the night sky were a soup of possibility a broth of what might have been and what might come to pass. The stars in the night sky were the grinding down of all mineralia of planet Earth into infinitesimal grains, which grains were in turn bits of gas and debris cast off by the stars themselves. The stars in the night sky indicated the natural end of our 24-hour day, and that was why they were greeted with such astonishment and relief. The turning away of the sun was both relief and impertinence. The stars in the night sky were the light show for the desert itself, a ratification of its disuse. The stars in the night sky could only be appreciated in silence. The stars in the night sky could only be appreciated in motionlessness. People came to the desert because the stars were in the desert, and the stars had yet to be corrupted by man, though man had managed to corrupt so much else. There was no fee involved. In fact, the stars, it seemed, would crush man in a scenic gravitational panorama before man would ever corrupt the stars. And that was why man mostly neglected them or attempted to surpass the stars 
gauzing over the night sky with his sugary glaze in the pursuit of making the night sky less seductive and more like the screen of a monitor switched into the off position. All right, one last little thing. This is so, this is my book of music essays and uh, I was asked to write for an anthology of, uh, an anthology of essays in which people attempted to describe heaven. And this I thought was a completely impossible task. Um, and because it was impossible, I tried to narrow it down a little bit and I asked if they would possibly allow me to um, just describe music in heaven. And so I wrote this essay about uh, the kinds of music in heaven. It turns out there's all sorts of descriptions of music in heaven. Um, however, I can't find the essay. Just talk among yourselves for one moment. Here we go. All right, so the first section, my idea of music in heaven was incredibly facetious, as you will see. So the first section of the essay is called Otis Redding as Purveyor of Celestial Music. Music has soul. We operate as though it does nearly all the time. In fact, music is one of the few areas of human endeavor where the word soul, even among secular types, is liable to go unchallenged. All kinds of music are occasionally imputed to have soul. Even music that doesn't have anything but volume or a tiresome double kick drum sound will sometimes be described as having soul. Ray Conniff, to a listener somewhere, has soul. Michael Bolton, has soul. Who am I to say otherwise? Soul in these cases perhaps indicates earnestness, rhetorical force, and or vocal polyps. Nevertheless, there are persuasive indications that the word soul does indeed manifest itself in music. And it's perhaps useful at the outset to point to one such recording in order to make plain the fact that music belongs in any discussion of the celestial. Before getting further into my account, I will therefore adduce one example from the genre nominally referred to as soul music, namely a live recording by Otis Redding entitled try a little tenderness. First, there's the lyric of the composition, which begins as an exhortation to do better at peeling away the layers of defensiveness in a lover, a woman who's not only weary in the general sense, but also weary of the traditional role of woman, whose only job at the song's opening is selflessness. This condition is well indicated, for example, in the limpid perception, I know she's waiting, just anticipating the thing she'll never possess. 
what to make of this? What exactly is the thing she'll never possess? Is it love? Is it justice in the prejudicial landscape of the USA in the middle and late 60s? Or as with the weariness in the first line, is some more general dissatisfaction implied herewith? I'd like to submit that what Otis Redding intends in his role as purveyor of celestial music is to make us conscious of our human frailty, our lack, our incompleteness. And he does so with perfect phrasing and with the kind of deceptive vulnerability that's all but absent from music in these troubled times. Still, this is to avoid mention of the dynamically satisfying freak out at the end of the song, the big ending. If celestial music is the music of the spheres in which heaven was once alleged to repose, then the big ending of Try a Little Tenderness proves that music here on earth can also be tuned to the interstellar realms, especially when the rhythm section kicks in and the horns start and Otis begins his passionate exhortations as to how exactly tenderness is meant to be practiced. Holding, squeezing, never leaving. And the horns work their way up the scale, likewise the rhythm guitar, while Redding commences his shouting, and the crowd goes wild, hoping that he'll play through the chorus just one more time. Yes, try a little tenderness. How could we resist? We have not tried sufficiently. So many areas of our lives remain unexplored. So many virtues lie dormant in us. So much is failure and half-heartedness. Tender tenderness as opposed to oppressing the poor and disenfranchised. Tenderness as opposed to military intervention in foreign countries. Tenderness as opposed to fear of other ideologies and ways of negotiating the world. Tenderness as opposed to the amassing of money, power, and real estate. This live performance of Otis Redding enacts the attempted tenderness he describes, and thus the song proves itself, proves the validity of soul and music by persuading in a very abbreviated space, not through empirical means, but by exercising the soul. And if you're not convinced by my recitation of these facts, get the Monterey Pop DVD and watch it. Because I swear, just as you can be absolved of your malfeasances by watching the Pope on television, you can be made a better person by watching Otis Redding deliver this song. You will go into the next room and you will look at your husband or your wife or your child you will look at the people whom you have treated less well than you might have, and you will kneel in front of these people, and you will beg for the chance to try a little harder and to make their burdens less burdensome. And if those five minutes of grace are not an example of what lies out there beyond what we daily understand, 
If those five minutes are not like a candle that glimmers in the face of unending darkness, then I have no idea what paradise is. Thanks a lot.